going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Pure Sports Pod. This is Matt Wyrick along with Kevin Haswell. Kevin, how you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, busy day uh, in the sports world. We had uh, the Masters today, which was great. I had to convince Matt to watch it uh, <sighs> somehow. He was following it on Twitter, but I don't know how you couldn't watch with uh, Jordan Spieth hitting the way or playing the way he was today. I mean, what an incredible round. I mean, he fell two two. Uh, Two strokes short, but, you know, what what a day for the Masters. And then, you know, at the same time, we had Otani throwing the perfect game. So, while he gave up the single in the seventh inning, I mean, it was, it was a great day. I mean, the Phillies lost, but the 76ers won. So, we'll, you know, we'll chalk this up as a pretty good day. How, how are you doing, Matt? Not too bad. I was, of course, missing the Masters because Otani was on perfect game watch. Uh, it was my first chance to watch him uh, throughout a complete game here. Uh, and he was absolutely stellar. His splitter was on point. His fastball touched 99 in the seventh inning. I mean, he was painting the corners, hitting all his spots. It really was something to watch. Uh, he retired 35, well, didn't retire, had two walks in a 35 bat- batter uh, span, which is absolutely insane over the course of two games. Of course, both coming against the Athletics, uh, just so how kind of the schedule worked out for him. But so far, Otani has been legit, hitting three home runs, uh, you know, really just kind of been a complete player. This isn't something we really were expect. I mean, people were expecting it, but not really sure if it would happen. Then he had a rough spring training. So, so far, so good for Otani, and it, it really is showtime over in Los Angeles. I'm loving it. But overall, Nats are on Sunday Night Baseball. Of course, we record our Monday podcast the day before, so I think it's about 20 minutes until first pitch. I'm um, excited to see how the Nats... Uh, fair against the Mets in the series finale. They have, of course, dropped four straight after winning their first four to start the season. So it's been a little bit of a bumpy road for them. Um, but they're not as bad as the Phillies right now. So I can take solace in that. Well, the, to be fair, the Phillies did win two out of three against the Marlins this weekend. And you guys are about to get swept tonight. So. Uh, well, you know, it is the Marlins. And, you know, we got this. I mean, it's Matt Harvey on the bump. You know, who, who knows really what you're going to get out of him. Meanwhile, Tanner Roark had seven strong innings of uh, no-run baseball in his first start. So we're rolling with him. Uh, and, I, you know, I couldn't feel better about it. Also, Adam Eaton's back in the lineup. He missed the last two games with an ankle injury. So good to see him uh, hitting the field again. Now, we're going to stick with the Marlins here uh, to kind of jump into our first topic Marlins did, of course, beat the Phillies today, winning 6-3. Uh, Omar Despagne uh, got the win there. But it hasn't really been a bright start for them. They are 3-6 and six on the season. Um, pitching staff has been hit around, to say the least. Um, you know, offense doesn't have a lot of star power. Kevin, what do Marlins fans look at this season as? I mean, it certainly, you know, the front office doesn't see this as a lost year. I really don't think they're trying to contend. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, here, but they know that you know having a low draft pick will give them you know a better player, a better way to build for the future. They got a few pieces uh, in some trades this off season. What do Marlins fans look at this season as, and you know what are some positives they can take from the whole thing? Honestly, I think they're heading in the right direction. Uh, you know, they get a lot. They got a lot of young prospects um, in all of the trades they made. You know, getting rid of Christian Yelich, Marcelo Zuna, Giancarlo Stanton, D. Gordon. And they got a lot of good young players and. Um, you know, it, it brings, um, you know, a, a new look to this team because I think the downfall for this Marlins franchise was when Jose Fernandez passed away. I mean, they had an, a bona fide ace uh, with after Jose Fernandez passed away in that terrible accident. I mean, this team just 
wasn't the same. Um, they had to change ownership, and you know, new ownership wants uh, to go young instead of uh, having. You know, they had four or five really, really good players, and then after that, they were kind of, you know, weak in a lot of spots. So um, starting over wasn't a bad idea. They also got rid of John Carlos Stanton's contract, which was, you know, great for the uh, foreseeable future. Um, but I think this year, I mean, they might not think they're uh, tanking, or they're not tanking, but they're, you know, they're going to be a bottom of the division type team. Uh, they might not think that, but they're definitely going to be. I think they win six, between 65 and 70 games. Um, they probably pick in the top 10 of the draft, and the rebuild starts now. I think it's going to be a you know a three or four year project. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've seen such a trend here of teams tanking, uh, you know, in order to return to contention, especially among teams that don't have a huge market. Marlins. Miami's a big market, certainly, but you know it's not Boston or New York or anything like that. So they do have to work with a budget, which the team has said in the past they did not make money last season, and that was a big thing when the ownership group kind of came around. They told Derek Jeter, "We need to make money this year. This is this is how it's worked. This is a business." Um, and as much as fans might not like that answer, saying, "Oh, this is the you know they're sacrificing winning for money," you know it's a business, and you know the owners need to find a way to make it profitable so that they can keep running the team. And yes. It's, it's probably not going to be, you know, good results in the field at first. But, you know, even now they've gotten a few guys in trades. Lewis Brinson, uh, who I've talked about on the podcast before, last year at Colorado Springs AAA uh, affiliate for Milwaukee, uh, hit 331, had an OPS of 962 with 13 home runs and 11 stolen bases. A guy with, you know, some sneaky pop uh, has hit 20 home runs in two separate minor league seasons, uh, once when he was 19, once when he was uh, 21. So, you know, this is a guy that they think they can, might be able to build around. They acquired Starlin Castro, who probably isn't a player necessarily for the future, but he is still a four-time All-Star at one point, led the entire uh, National League in hits, hit 300 last year and was named to the All-Star team, didn't have a great second half, um, but it was a, a key player for that Yankee squad, so they do have, you know, some hitters that might be able to, you know, turn things around for them, and as far as the pitching staff goes, there aren't necessarily a lot of big names for sure, uh, you know, having to lose Jose Fernandez, like you said, was a major blow for them, uh, but Jose Urena had a good second half next year, he's a righty, uh, 26 years old, right now, uh, didn't get off to a great start as a 4.91 ERA in two starts, but uh, you know is still kind of on the younger side, and they can kind of try and you know give him enough time to work things out. So you know this team isn't going to compete right now. I don't think there's any question about that. But between Justin Bohr, uh, Derek Dietrich, uh, Cameron Maben, they do still have some you know veteran guys that still have some power, still have the ability to hit. They're going to score some runs. Uh, but as far as the pitching staff goes, they're in a lot of trouble. So I think right now they kind of have to, you know, look forward to getting their guys healthy. You know, JT Real Muto is on the DL. Mart uh, Prado is also uh, sitting on the disabled list. Dan Straley. So they've got some guys that they're waiting for to kind of come back here. And, you know, eventually they'll be all right uh, once they get a few drafts in. But as far as this season goes, they kind of just have to look at the youth. they got to look at Brinson. they got to look at Urena. they uh, got to look at Real Muto if he sticks around and isn't traded. Guys that will be on the team possibly – long enough to see them rise back into contention. I mean, you have to look at, you know, what did Phillies fans have to endure before uh, Philadelphia kind of rose to where they are right now, which, you know, obviously it's a slow start, but they're coming into the season, they had some high hopes. You know, when's the last time a Phillies team had high hopes? Probably back in 2011. So, you know, for this 
this Marlins fan base, it sucks because they've had three major rebuilds in the past uh, 15, 20 years. But at the same time, they've also won two World Series in that span. And as, as an Ats fan who's never even seen uh, my team play in the World Series, I think I would trade at least one for 15 years of being bad. But um, yeah, I can see why fans would have a lot of angst right now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm looking through the top prospect list, um, and I'm not seeing a lot of, you know, Marlins guys in the top 100 list. Um, Brinson is on this list, but, um, you know, they, they are going to have to, you know, build through the draft and get some of these younger guys. Uh, they have number 72, Monty Harrison. Um, but, I mean, I, I think through the draft is the way to go, and I saw it with the Phillies myself, you know, Mickey Moniak, uh, who we still haven't seen, and Adam Hazley last year. I mean, a lot of top picks, um, but, you know, they take a little while to come up through the uh, through the ranks, and I'm excited to see what the Marlins can do. I mean, as a Phillies fan, their, line, their contention line is not going to match up with the Phillies um, as long – I mean, the Phillies could be in contention in four or five years. Uh, we'll see, but um, – it's good to see that they're bad while the Phillies, you know, are becoming good. So it's one less team to compete with the Phillies. And, you know, you also have to look at the state of the NL East here if you're Derek Jeter coming into this season, okay? Obviously, the Nationals are the class of the division over the past five years, but they are getting up there in age with a lot of their stars. They have some contract years coming up. I mean, you know, there might be a change of guard here, and you see the Braves and the Mar and the Mets uh, I mean, sorry, not the Mets, the uh, Braves and the Phillies kind of coming up with their rebuilds, kind of finally starting to turn things around for them. And the Mets are, you know, have a lot of money. They're going to be in it every single year, at least somewhere in the contention area. You know, this doesn't seem like a time for the Marlins who kind of have to stack up with all of that to, you know, throw a lot of money at play uh, a few veteran guys to bolster their already weak roster. I mean, some people were saying, you know, they're only a few pitchers away from really truly competing with the money that they owed towards Stanton, the money that they had toward Prado. I mean, it really, they didn't have a lot of room to make any kind of additions to their rotation. I mean, they basically needed five starters. And for a team, you know, in a smaller market like Miami, the Marlins really couldn't afford to go out and, and find all those starters and we saw kind of how the offseason unfolded uh, a couple of big name guys getting huge deals and everybody else kind of scrambling for the rest maybe they could have you know capitalized on that market but at the same time the market was waiting for the John Carlos Stanton trade everything stalled until Stanton was traded and Otani signed after that everything kind of unleashed and you know in the slow way it did uh, players went to the, their respective teams and everything I think right now you know Marlins fans aren't happy but I, under, I understand that. But at the same time, you know, Brinson's young. Monte Harrison could make his way uh, into the majors this year. Maybe not till next year. Um, they have a couple other guys. Trevor Rogers, who was former number 13 overall pick, hasn't uh, had the chance to take the mound very often. Um, Hurricane Irma had something to do with that. But, uh, you know, there's there's some young guys in here that are still coming up, still you know, in the minors that they could be seeing in a few years. And, you know, that's just kind of how baseball works. That's how every sport works. You'll, you know, trust the process with Philadelphia was, it was another thing. The 76ers having to, you know, obviously fall off a cliff for a while and, and be out of contention right now. They're fighting for number three seed out of nowhere. We weren't expecting that at all. The nationals were, you know, bad from 2005. They finished 81 and 81 in 2005 and then did poorly every other season through 2011 
getting two major draft picks in that time in Steven Strasburg and Bryce Harper. They also got Anthony Rendon, who wouldn't come up till later. But in 2012, that's when they won 98 games, had the number one seed in the National League, just kind of came out of nowhere. And that was because they had to you know, do their time as a poor, poor team, load up on young players, and then they had team-friendly contracts. And then there they were. They were right at the top of the National League. So you know, we see it time and time again. And as much as it sucks to have to watch your team be bad for a few years, I think fans will come to understand as long as the rebuild works. Of course, there are times when it doesn't work and teams are just middling and, you know, bad territory for years and years and years. But, you know, we have to see how uh, Derek Jeter's sense of baseball scouting is. I mean, Derek Jeter himself was misscouted by a few guys and uh, wasn't really considered to be, you know, all that until he finally came up. We'll see how he kind of, you know, turns the tables a few ways and, and works with his scouting department. And we could be seeing a very dominant Marlins team at the same time. We could be seeing a very poor one. But right now, you know, they're doing everything they can to ensure a successful future, to ensure a financially successful future. And, you know, from a business perspective, you can't really be too mad about that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're, sa- and they're saving themselves a ton of money. Um, you know, they, they are... Uh, for a couple years, so in that department, you know, getting people into the ballpark, which was already a problem to begin with, it's going to be tough. Um, and the, you know, the fans, I'm sure, aren't going to be a fan of them, you know, losing all these games. But it's all for the bigger picture. It's all for you know, three or four years down the road. And you know, as a Phillies fan, watching these prospects really grow up, and then a bunch of them, you know, in the starting lineup today, uh, it, it's just so exciting um, when you finally get that time where you get to see all these guys in the major leagues. So. Yeah, it really does build up excitement, and I think Marlins fans are going to be, you know, surprised in three or four years when, uh, you know, they're one of the brightest young teams in baseball. Well, while MLB is just getting started, the NBA is wrapping up. Excuse me, wrapping up its regular season this week. We most teams have two or three games left on their schedule including the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Denver Nuggets. Both teams are 45 and 35 on the season, with the Timberwolves holding a tiebreaker over the Nuggets for the number eight seed in the West. Now, the Nuggets are on fire right now, having won five straight, um, but only one of these two teams are going to be making the playoffs this season. We could, of course, see both teams win, and either the Thunder, Spurs, or Pelicans lose out, and, and they both could make it in. However, all signs are pointing toward if both teams win, on Monday. They both play Monday against different teams. If both teams win, they're going to be playing each other on Wednesday to decide who gets the number eight seed in the West. So Kevin, I pose this question to you. Who between the Timberwolves and Nuggets will be making the NBA playoffs this season? Yeah, I have more faith in the Timberwolves than I do the Nuggets. Uh, you know, they get Jimmy Butler back uh, from injury and they're a different team. I mean, the reason they're down at the eight spot right now is because they missed Jimmy Butler for a while, but now they have him back. You know, I, I think they're much better than the Denver Nuggets. Um, and, you know, from an NBA fan's perspective, I mean, you'd much rather have the Minnesota Timberwolves over the Denver Nuggets. You know, they're just more of an exciting team. you got Carl Anthony Towns, Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins. I mean, uh, a lot of exciting players were on the Nuggets. Um, you know, you have Nikola Jokic, who's, you know, really, really good. Um, but no, you know, flashy, exciting players. So, um at the end of the day, like if I had to put money on it, I, I, would, I would say the Timberwolves are going to make the playoffs. Um, they have the tiebreaker with the Nuggets right now. So if you know both of them went out or you know they match each other's records the rest of the way, uh, the Timberwolves would make it in. So you know, that's where I'm going to go with. Uh, I think, you know, like I said, they've got Jimmy Butler back, and I've got faith in them to make the playoffs. Yes, and also we have to take into account here the Timberwolves play the Grizzlies on Monday, who 
as of right now, are 22 and 58 with the second worst record in the NBA. And then the Nuggets play the Portland Trail Blazers, who are 48 and 32, the number three seed in the West. So, you know, there's obviously a tough road for them. The Nuggets, you know, ha- having won five straight are looking good. Um, but we've talked about them before. Jokic is, you know, a guy who has really developed and come into his own, especially this season, has really been, you know, the team for them. He leads the team in points, rebounds, and assists. Um, but, you know, they're going to need guys like Paul Millsap uh, and, and Jamal Murray to really step up here. Um, and Will Barton, who a player that doesn't get talked about a lot, uh, who I've just, you know, from the eye test, have really liked seeing um, a good passer for a small forward and, and can pull in some rebounds. So, uh, you know, they obviously are going to need, you know, they don't have the flashy names like like the Timberwolves do. Timberwolves having, you know, a number one overall pick uh, in Andrew Wiggins, plus, you know, Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, those are those names are pop off the page. But, you know, the Nuggets have quietly hung in there. You got to give them a lot of credit uh, for how they've played this season. Um, you know, it's this wasn't really expected for them to hang in there necessarily. They haven't really, you know, been the team since Carmelo left um, way back in however long ago that was. Um, but, you know, they're playing well just the right time, um, and, and they've done it against good opponents. You know, they beat the Clippers, who are only one spot behind them in the standings. They beat the Timberwolves by four. They beat the Pacers and Bucks and Thunder. All, all f- four of those teams are in the playoffs right now. Um, so, you know, pretty crazy uh, run for them. They kind of looked out of it, but have saved their chances here, winning five straight. They're only five games over 500, now they're 10. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I think the biggest thing here is against the West this season, the Nuggets are 27 and 23. Uh, the Timberwolves are 32 and 18. So, you know, the Timberwolves have kind of flexed their muscles a little bit more in terms of, you know, beating better teams in the West uh, than the Nuggets have. So, uh, you know, obviously you kind of have to give the nod there to the Timberwolves uh, having the easier ride and everything. But, you know, obviously, like I said, we could be seeing, you know, the Thunder outside the playoffs or the Spurs or the Pelicans. I mean, Pelicans are the five seed right now, but all three teams, the Pelicans, Spurs, and Thunders, have the same record at 46 and 34 uh, and are kind of spaced out right now. So my Pelicans, you know, still in that number five seed. Uh, My bet with Kevin is still alive here somehow, some way. But we could be seeing them outside the playoffs, amazingly enough. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, it's so interesting to think about how much things have changed over you know the span of the season. I mean, we were talking. I know we were talking a month ago about the Utah Jazz, and you know they've jumped from ten to four. Um, the Portland Trailblazers, who would have expected them to be sixteen games over five hundred, um, even though they've lost three in a row. I mean, still, and who would have guessed that? The Golden State Warriors would be seven games back of the Houston Rockets, who are dominating the Western Conference right now. Um, but you know, going back to last night, I don't know if you had a chance to see the Thunder uh, Rockets game, but you know what a gutsy performance by Russell Westbrook and that team to get that win because that was huge. I mean, if they lost that game, uh, they'd be tied for uh, with the Timberwolves and the Nuggets um, for that you know eight eight nine spot, and uh, you know be troubling the rest of the way but that was a huge win against a really good team that's only lost 16 16 games this year so um i think you know russell westbrook was well motivated there were some reporters uh pre-game that you know asked him about uh who he thinks the mvp should be this year uh since he is the reigning mvp um i think he was insulted that people don't consider him uh he said he wasn't answering the question and he goes out um puts on a great performance against you know arguably the best team in the nba this year so uh you know the Thunder will be a team to watch, you know, down the stretch because I think if they match up with a, you know, injured Portland or I mean an injured Golden State in the first round, it'll be a very interesting series. 
Yeah, I mean, right now it's Thunder Warriors, which is absolutely crazy. And Timberwolves Rockets would be a fun one, I think. You know, obviously the Rockets would probably be outclassing the T-Wolves or the Nuggets, whoever they played. But I think that would be a fun series. You get Spurs, Trailblazers, teams that play so differently. You know, Portland is so fast-paced, raining threes, whereas the Spurs love to slow things down, play on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and then you've got Jazz Pelicans, which almost seems like a surreal um you know, playoff series when you had Gordon Hayward not coming back to the Jazz over the offseason and the Pelicans losing to Marcus Cousins midway. Now they're the four and the five seeds right now. I mean, you know, gutsy, gutsy play all around. This has just been a really fun NBA season. I think, you know, now that there's a little bit of a chance that it's not going to be Warriors Cavs in the finals, uh, you know, I think fans have been more, you know, into the season. There's been just a lot of energy among other teams that are getting into the playoff hunt. Um, you know, in the West has been, you know, living up to the hype. I mean, there's no doubt about it that the Royer, the Rockets and Warriors are probably the two best teams uh, in the NBA with the Raptors, you know, a team we weren't talking about to start the year, coming in there and clinching that number one seed in the East. So, uh, you know, the Nuggets, I think they're right on the fringe. I think they can make it, but um, they're going to need some help. And I don't see the Timberwolves uh, losing um, to the Grizzlies, so it's really going to come down to that game on Wednesday night, which the Nuggets did just beat the Timberwolves in a close one. Uh, so, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, the Western Conference, I, I don't know if I can make up my mind on whether the Western Conference has actually been good this year or been bad, because when you think about it, Portland Trailblazers, Utah Jazz, Pelicans, Spurs, Spurs are down, but, you know, three through five, those teams aren't scary teams. They're not, you know, contenders. Um, at the end of the day, they're, they're teams that are, you know, 10 to 12 games over 500, uh, playing well enough to make the playoffs, but they're kind of all in that, you know, that mix. Um, the playoff position, and uh, I don't know, I can't make up my mind on whether, you know, it's really good uh, that the Western Conference has 10, 10 teams over 500, or whether that just shows how mediocre it is after, you know, the Rockets and the, and the Warriors. I mean, you know, the, the Trailblazers are going to score. I think that they just are in that conversation because Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum is one of the best backcourts in the NBA. Um, and, you know, their depth, honestly, doesn't stand out to me. They don't have uh, a ton of rotation players that really fit in. I mean, Shabazz Napier is their backup point guard, and if that doesn't say anything, I don't know what does. But, um, you know, I think I think this is a team that can hang around. I think they're going to um, win their first playoff series. You know, they'll be playing the Spurs. They look like a much better team than the Spurs right now, even though the Blazers have just lost three in a row. Um, you know, I, I really just think don't, I'm not buying into San Antonio. They look slow all year. They don't have Kawhi. Uh, they haven't been able to, you know, really been vintage Spurs um, at all. They have just haven't looked like the same team. So I think, you know, Blazers make it out of the first round, uh, you know, and, and waiting for them. Uh, they could be playing the Warriors. You know, obviously that's a scary sight, but uh, with the Warriors having a lot of injuries, you know, maybe they scrape by uh, the Thunder and, you know, maybe we're looking at a team that isn't the same as we've seen in the past and we could be seeing the Blazers in the Western Conference Finals. Not saying I'm predicting that, you know, Kevin loves to call out my hot takes, but, uh, you know, I, I could definitely see, you know, a contested matchup between the Blazers and the Warriors in the second, crown, second round of the Western Conference playoffs. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I was actually watching, you know, the Rockets, uh, Thunder game last night with uh, one of my friends, and he was talking about how he was rooting for the Thunder to end up at the seventh seed, uh, so that they would they could take care of the Warriors before you know the Rockets see them. I mean, Golden State. I mean, I think everyone's underestimating how good they're going to become playoff time. Um, you know, they got basically uh, everyone back now. Um, 
not everyone, but they basically have, you know, a good enough core to win a playoff series back now. Um, but I think, I don't know about you, but I think the Thunder, um, after the t- one and two, after the Rockets and the Warriors, I think the Thunder are the best team in the Western Conference, like the number three team, talent-wise. That's, you know, definitely debatable. I think, uh, uh, you know, like you said, the West, I, I've personally been impressed with it this year just because the resiliency of some of these teams, maybe they aren't, you know, playing to, you know, there are, there's like five championship contenders, but in the past few years, have there been really five championship contenders? I mean, you know, a lot of people say that LeBron broke the East in that, you know, because he got so dominant and no teams from the East aside from his teams were making the, excuse me, keep Sorry, excuse me. Uh, just because LeBron kept making the NBA Finals, a lot of teams were almost selling out. You know, saw the 76ers uh, not really be able to, you know, contend, so they go into full rebuild. The Nets try and go all in. It fails miserably. They have to go into rebuild. The Wizards actually went through a rebuild, too, having to pick John Wall, um, you know, first overall, uh, and then Bradley Beal in successive years in order to kind of rise to where they are right now. So, uh, you know, this has been interesting to see the effect that the Warriors super team has had on the rest of the West because obviously the Rockets are looking like a really good team this year but this is the first time we're really seeing a team standing up to the Warriors almost a team that has been you know put together in order to take them down uh you know James Harden playing like an MVP this season uh they're able to be one of the most unstoppable teams at home this year I mean absolutely crazy absolutely owning the Southwest Division uh, you know, they go out and cr- get Chris Paul, you know, a move that some people were questioning, you know, how who's going to bring up the ball? How are they going to handle it? It's worked out great for them. Um, you know, I saw a stat earlier this year that the uh, clip, uh, Rockets had only lost something like three to five games when both Paul and Harden started. So uh, this is a really, really scary team. And I think, you know, we're finally seeing a more balanced you know, in terms of just looking at the one conference, I'm not saying the West and East are balanced, but I'm saying the teams across the West look a little bit more balanced just because the Warriors aren't so top-heavy. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, in the last couple of years, you've been able to pencil in uh, the Cavaliers and the Warriors, and uh, this year's been different. I think it's good for the NBA to see the Warriors in second place in the Western Conference. And, you know, because it's – I don't know at the end of the day if they would be the one seed if they were fully healthy. Um, you know, people argue either way. But I think it's good for the NBA that you know those players did get hurt, so that we do see a you know top team in the Western Conference. It's not the Warriors, um, and you know, hopefully, I mean, in my opinion, hopefully the Rockets are in the finals because I just I'm getting sick of the same finals over and over again. And uh, you know, we're still kind of trending towards the Warriors uh, Cavs final. I think the Cavs uh, road got a lot easier last week with the Kyrie Irving injury. And, uh, you know, the Warriors are starting to get healthy a little bit before the playoffs start. So um, we could see it again. But, I mean, I would rather see a Sixers-Rockets uh, finals. I mean, you know, it's a little biased. But I think it's be- you know best for the NBA to see different teams in the finals. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really, I really like this Raptors team. I mean, we brought James Ferris on to give the, his case on them before. And, you know, they do look good. Um, certainly one of the best offensive teams in the Um, entire NBA the best offensive team in terms of points per game in the east so you know they're going to make their shots it's just a matter of can they bring it in the playoffs and you know we've talked about it time and time again not sure if they can do it but if they can they really do look like a scary team a complete team uh, and one that you know could give the Cavs a run here I mean they're going to be playing each other in the second round if they both win the first so uh, as far as the you know standings are right now but 
Um, you know, this is this is you know the reality of where we are now, and I, I love it. I mean, I love the fact that the Cavaliers are the four seed, the the Warriors are number two, because even if they do go on to you know make the finals, we had other teams kind of rise up and take that throne, dethrone them at least for the regular season. Um, you know, to reign supreme. I mean, the Warriors. Uh, the Cavaliers actually haven't been, you know, the number one seed in two years now, having the Celtics take over that number one spot last year. But uh, this has been, you know, a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed this NBA season. And even though the Wizards are really pay- playing poorly right now, having lost four straight, falling down to that number eight seed, which I really don't want to see them play that the Raptors in the first round. Um, you know, even with the war- the Wizards having an up and down season, I've just really enjoyed watching basketball this year. And it's been kind of different than in years past because I've almost been numb to the NBA uh, having just seen, you know, dominance after dominance of Kevin Durant and LeBron James highlights. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, you're seeing it with, you know, with LeBron getting into his mid-30s, Durant and some of these other really good players getting, you know, close to 30, uh, 26, 27 years old, they're getting older. You're seeing a new wave of NBA players come up. Um, a lot of guys, you know, just seeing their prime of their career, and they're kind of, you know, shoving these guys aside saying, hey, this is my league now. Um, you know, you, you see DeMar DeRozan, you see Kyle Lowry, I mean, you know, taking this Raptors team to another level, whether they do it in the playoffs or not, um, you know, they're still taking this team to a one seed in the Eastern Conference. That's something to hang your hat on. And, um, you know, it's the new wave and, and young of young players in the NBA that you know, should be exciting for fans. Um, and I think if we don't see it this year, I think at least next year uh, we'll see the finals. That doesn't include uh, either the Warriors or the Cavaliers. I think you know a lot of teams are, are really on the come up, um, and you know, they're only getting better by the day. Yes, sir. Well, that's going to wrap up our NBA portion. We're, of course, going to be talking NBA playoffs in our next episode, but we'll also be talking Stanley Cup playoffs. So I uh, love how both the NHL and NBA's playoffs kind of coincide, so we get to watch both. Um, I, I myself only really watch hockey in the playoffs, I will admit. You know, I'm a Fairweather Caps fan, but... I'll, you know, be rooting uh, and excited to see how both uh, kind of playoffs pictures shape out. We'll bring Tom Robertson on the show, always full of hot takes, love to argue with him, but he'll be bringing his hockey perspective to talk a little bit uh, about the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. So we are looking forward to that. For our last topic today, however, we are talking Johnny Money Manziel. Uh, He made his debut in the Spring League, which is the NFL Developmental League. Uh, It is his first time playing in an organized football game in 832 days. Now he has one more game before uh, having the option to sign with an NFL team. Now, obviously, a team has to give him a contract, which he would probably take whatever kind of deal he can get. Um, But, Kevin, is there a path for him to make it back in the NFL? I mean, he said that if he doesn't find a team, he's going to go to the CFL uh, play Canadian football for two years and then try again. Do you think that's what's going to be happening, or do you think that he's going to get a shot with an NFL club? We'll see. You know, at the end of the day, if RG three can sign a one year or one year contract with the Baltimore Ravens, I think I have faith in Johnny Manziel getting a job. You know that. I know this is off topic, but RG three getting a job is ridiculous. You know, he has no. We've seen it over the last couple of years. He doesn't have the work ethic or the you know the talent to really be a good NFL quarterback. And if he's able to do that without the talent or the work ethic, um, you know, a very motivated Johnny Manziel should get a job. Now, will it happen this offseason? I don't you know. I don't know because a lot of those you know each team has two quarterbacks, so you really have to have an open position um, and really want to have to take a chance on him. So 
who knows if it'll happen this offseason, but I think we see Johnny Manziel in an NFL uniform again. I think it happens. Uh, you know, I, I heard him on part of my take um, and some other interviews as well. Um, you know, talking about how he's really changed. Uh, he doesn't you know, do all the shenanigans he used to do. Uh, and, you know, all he wants to do is uh, play football. You know, he said he took it for granted uh, before and, and didn't really care much about the game. And now, um, you know, he's a, he's a changed person. And I think he can be a great NFL quarterback. It's just all about someone giving him a chance. Uh, but I think that happens in the next couple of years. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, I think my biggest thing here is who does he sign with? I mean, just looking around at teams, they've already kind of filled their backup uh, spots here. You know, a, a potential team um, was the Bengals. However, they did go out uh, and make a few moves, bringing in, uh, you know, a backup quarterback whose name is escaping me at the moment. Um, so, you know, they don't have – there aren't a lot of options for him. I think that, you know, he kind of – waited a little too long almost. I mean, yes, the spring league doesn't happen until April and there's not much you can really do about playing before free agency opens uh, to kind of showcase your skills a little bit. But, uh, you know, I just don't know with all the quarterback shifting that has gone on this offseason, there is obviously every team that needs a starting quarterback has a starting quarterback, uh, save for possibly the Bills. Um, you know, they're, they're in an interesting predicament um, where they are right now. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I really don't know who else is going, you know, who else would sign Manziel. I, I give him a lot of respect, uh, for what he's done, you know, since, uh, the whole shenanigans with the Browns, you know, but he did take three sacks in that spring league game, which was, you know, his problem was not being able to escape the pocket when he needed to, you know, you can knock that to the offensive line for sure. But he only threw for 82 yards. Wasn't, you know, a great game for him necessarily, uh, so, you know, you kind of have to look at it saying, okay, from a scouting perspective, what do I like? What I like about his arm, what I like about his feet, his vision, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, at a first glance, it didn't look super impressive, but he said he felt good and, and is hoping to get an offer. So we'll see, but I have a feeling we're going to be seeing him in the CFL at least for the next two years. Maybe, you know, he does really well there and, and comes back and can really, you know, turn things around and have an NFL career. But I think as far as things are right now, we're we're not going to be seeing Money Manziel hitting an NFL field anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see where you're coming from. Uh, it's going to you know, take some time, I think, for you know, teams really to trust him again, especially you know, after the Browns spent you know, a, a first round pick on him, and he really didn't work out um, as a quarterback. But uh, it'll take time for the teams to trust, have trust in him, and you know, maybe they'll have to see some tape of him uh, playing somewhere else, maybe not in the NFL, like you said, the CFL. Uh, but I, I think, at the end of the day, Johnny Menzel plays in NFL uh, uniform again, and I, you know, I put money on it because I, you know, I've heard him on these interviews and stuff, and he sounds motivated and he sounds ready to go. And uh, talent was never the issue with Johnny Menzel; it was always, you know, what was going on in his head um, and the decision making process, um, and sometimes the work ethic. So, you know, if he can get, you know, his head straight uh, and get the work ethic right. Uh, you know, the talent's there, and I think Johnny Manziel can be, you know, a pretty good quarterback in the NFL. Not, you know, elite-level quarterback, but I still I still think he, you know, can make a career out of it. You know, Kevin, if you put down money every time you said you would put down money on something, you would be a broke man, you know that? Really? Because I'm pretty sure every time I say it, I'm right. <laughs> well, stamp. Well, I guess we'll be seeing Johnny Manziel back in the NFL uh, sometime in the future. I'm... Certainly not optimistic for him, uh, you know, with 
there are a few teams that need quarterbacks that are going into the draft uh, looking for them, but I just don't think that that's the way things stand right now. He is going to be, um, you know, making his way in, but I don't know. You know, we'll see. I actually was a big fan of him when he was in college playing for Texas A&M, uh, you know, winning that Heisman. It was, it's, I love exciting players. I love players with a personality. Baker Mayfield was my favorite player this year. I guess you can see a trend of who uh, I like to watch, but um, you know, players that aren't afraid to show their emotion, players aren't afraid to be personalities off the field. I think that's what makes the great, the game, what makes sports great, uh, is that, you know, you kind of get a sense of who these people are. And even if it's not necessarily good, you know, obviously, uh, Manziel had a lot of poor decisions he made that, that really reflected poorly on his chances at re-signing with the team. I think that, you know, it's fun to kind of get a glimpse of who these famous people are, who these real people are. Um, and it gives fans, uh, something that, can't be, you know, necessarily attainable uh, with a lot of other guys who kind of just put their head down and, and go to work. Like, you know, how much did you really know uh, about Peyton Manning uh, during his career about his outside life? You know, probably nothing. There wasn't a whole lot, you know, other than the fact that he was related to another NFL QB. Not a whole lot got discussed about, you know, what was going on off the field. And, you know, with a guy like uh, Johnny Manziel, you were never, you know, wondering what he was doing because, he was always posting about it. It's like Juju Smith-Schuster. Are you wondering what he's doing right now? No, probably not. He's you know po constantly posting about it on Twitter, constantly having you know making fun of people, having a good time, uh, and, and that's what I love uh, about sports and how I love kind of just how the game's been shifting because uh, sports is an entertainment business. I, I don't think a lot of people think of it that way, but it is. I mean, these the reason athletes are paid so much money is because they're entertainers. They you know drive ratings, which is a huge money maker in terms of television and social media and uh, you know radio and everything in between they are the ones that get people to the ballparks get people to the, the stadiums and, and raise all that revenue raise all that money so even if you know uh they're not playing necessarily that well if they're maintaining a, a presence off the field that can still pay dividends for a team i mean we saw bryce harper uh in 2015 battling or sorry 2016 battling a shoulder injury all year he would never admit it uh, you know, I always love to pull Nats examples, but he would never admit it, but he was still Bryce Harper and he still was top five in Jersey sales the entire year, even though he hit like 230 over the course of the season. Uh, you know, he wasn't the same guy that everybody was in 2015, but he carried that name. You know, he appeared on Jimmy Kimmel, uh, did a whole bunch of, you know, TV stuff. And I think, you know, the whole make baseball fun again, uh, mantra, that was awesome. And I think that more players should be doing things like that. So, no, I'm not condoning what Manziel, you know, did, obviously, but I think that the fact that he man maintains a personality off the field makes him a marketable enough QB for a team to be interested in signing him at some point. Now, do teams want to, you know, get away from the fanfare like they did with Tim Tebow and Colin Kaepernick? That is a whole nother story. Uh, but, you know, if Johnny Manziel can bring a positive vibe, you know, around him, positive media attention around him when signing, when, you know, preparing himself to be signed... You know, that's, I think that's something that teams, you can't even put a price on because, you know, it's going to bring that much needed attention. It's going to bring those jersey sales up. I mean, if you are, you know, a fan of, of the Bills and they haven't had a stable QB and what seems like forever, they go out and sign Johnny Manziel. Are you going to go get a Johnny Manziel jersey? You might. I mean, you know, obviously he's not a sure bet, but especially if he does well at the beginning, he he'll, those jersey sales will skyrocket. He'll get so much attention. The Bills will be the forefront of, you know, NFL conversation. I mean, that's all a risk, yes, but at the same time, it's a good risk to take. I like Johnny Manziel. I think he has a future in the NFL. I just don't think it's just yet. I think he's got to go to the CFL first. Uh, but it, once he comes back from there, I think that, you know, a lot of teams could benefit from signing him down the line. kind of relatable to you know the whole Tim Tebow thing I mean if you sign him there's so much fan 
there's so many fans of Johnny Manziel as a person, regardless of, you know, if he, whatever he did, um, you know, off the field. There's tons of fans of him, uh, just like Tim Tebow. I mean, people are going to buy jerseys at the Wazoo, even though, even if he's a backup quarterback. Um, so, you know, it's great for the business of a team to sign him as well. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know what else to say on Johnny Manziel. I mean, I, he's, he's a great talent, but yeah, he'll drive sales. He'll, you know, I don't, I don't know. Do you think he's a starting caliber quarterback? No, absolutely not. I think he's going to have to come in. You know, at best he gets a QB competition, but honestly, I think he's going to have to ride behind, ride the pine a little bit, sit behind somebody else, um, and, and work in practice. If an injury comes around or uh, the starting quarterback doesn't perform, you know, he might get a shot there. Uh, what I think is going to happen is he's going to sign with a team that has a not a good, not great starting quarterback, or even somebody maybe on the, the downtrend, uh, somebody that could be replaced if he does well enough. That that makes the most sense for him at least. Uh, and you know, a team that is going to take a gamble on Johnny Manziel probably isn't going to take a gamble for him to just ride the bench, excuse me, and be that guy. You know, just taking reps in practice. I think they want to see if he'll pan out and you know be able to start him if he does. So I, I think. You know, he doesn't start immediately, uh, but could, you know, be groomed to be the guy farther down the line. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. My, you know, like I said earlier, I stamp it. Uh, he's going to be in an NFL uniform again. Uh, you know, berate me on social media if it doesn't happen. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I definitely see Money Manziel uh, a thing in the NFL. Well, Kevin stamps it, so it's happening. All right, that's going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook at Pure Sports Network. Like us on Twitter, or wow, check us out on Facebook at Pure Sports Network. Follow us on Twitter at Pure Sports Net, and take a look at our website at puresportsnetwork.com. I'm Matt Wyrick. This is Kevin Haswell signing off. Kevin, any final words for the good people? say trust the process but at this point you don't even have to trust it you just have to look at the standings they're three seed uh they're going to the nba finals and uh we'll catch you guys on thursday yes sir go nats thank you all so much for listening and have a good one